Welcome to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel, where you will receive the essential tools to take your faith to the next level. I am your host, Brian Ratliff, and I currently pastor Clearbrook Baptist Church in Roanoke, Virginia. Here is the latest message preached from one of our services. Grab your Bible, pen, notepad, and get ready to jumpstart your faith. It was just an ordinary day, it seemed, for this pastor. Went to his office, and he began working and preparing for his messages that he had to preach that coming Sunday, and with occasional meetings throughout the day to pray with people and to give counsel. And there was a knock on his door that he did not expect. A lady rushed in and said, I need help. I'm desperate. For the past several years, this lady has been given over to a unique occupation, prostitution. And she sat down in the pastor's office and, and he began to share with her how Jesus was the Son of God and how Jesus came to pay the penalty for our sins, even the sins that she has committed. And after presenting the gospel to her about how Jesus can forgive her and make her a new creature, he asked her, would you like to accept Christ as your Savior? Would you like to pray to receive him? And she said, yes, I've had it. In other words, she said, I'm done with this lifestyle. And so they prayed, and after they prayed, it seemed as if, uh, you know, she sincerely received Christ as Savior. And the pastor says, I want to, here's, here's what the pastor said. The pastor said, now I want you to do something. Do you have your little book with you that has the names of all your contacts? And she, she replied, yes. And, and he suggested, let's take a match and burn it right now. She was shocked. Eyes as wide as the state of Texas. And she said, well, what exactly do you mean? The pastor said, exactly what I said. If you have really met Jesus Christ as your Lord, if you have really accepted his forgiveness and are going to live for him, let's burn your book and celebrate your new birth right now and just praise the Lord. And she said, but that's a lot of money, like a whole lot of money. And the pastor said, I'm sure it is. And she took her book, put it back in her purse, and said, I don't want to burn my book. I guess I really don't want Jesus, do I? And so she left the pastor's office and went on her way. I say that to say this, that as we come to Hebrews chapter 2, this is the first of a few different warnings that the writer of Hebrews gives to his audience. And I want to draw your attention to one word today. It's the word slip. This word slip gives the idea of drifting. Drifting away from the gospel. Drifting away from the word of God. Drifting away from the body of Christ. And drifting away from the very presence of God. Today I want to label my thoughts today with two words. Careless Christianity. Careless Christianity. In other words, the message today is a warning against 
careless Christianity. And I want to share with you some characteristics of what it is like to be a careless Christian or involved in careless Christianity. But before we dive into this passage, I want you to know that, that there is there's the temptation to, to hear the message of the gospel and to be on the edge of our seats, to be ready and willing to accept Christ as Savior. But when we begin to count the cost and realize the commitment to accepting Jesus Christ as Savior is a lifestyle transformation through the power of the Spirit of God. Sometimes people are hesitant to take that step of faith. Here's the key statement that I want to relate to you today, that if you walk away with anything, I want you to walk away with this. Careless Christianity has been informed about God's Word, but has not been transformed by God's Word. Careless Christianity has been informed about God's Word, but has not been transformed by God's Word. You can know intellectually everything about the Word of God, but if you do not allow the Word of God to sink into your life, it will never transform you into what Jesus wants us all to be. So what are the characteristics of a careless Christian or careless Christianity? Well, I wrote down five of them that I want to relate to you today. Keep in mind that the writer of Hebrews is writing to, to people, Jewish people, who, who believe that Jesus is the Messiah. And there was this temptation to walk away from the ideas of grace, the ideas that, that, that you don't have to serve underneath the Old Testament sacrificial law system. And in the midst of this discussion about angels, the writer of Hebrews gives this idea about being careless in our walk with God. So the first thought I want to relate to you is from verse number one. I wrote down this, careless Christianity drifts from the truth of God's word. Careless Christianity drifts from the truth of God's word. Look at verse number one. Remember, in the first chapter, we, we discussed about how Jesus is, is really the greatest of all time, how he is the best that there ever was, the best there is, and the best there ever will be. And he's better than, than the angels. He's better than, than, than the law. He's better than, than everything. And, 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 and the writer of Hebrews says that after we've said all of that in chapter one, therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed. So how can we, how can we overcome careless Christianity? By giving heed to everything everything that is about to be said and that has been said in this entire book of the Bible. Let's give heed to God's word. What does that mean, you might ask? It means to pay special attention to. And I want you to know this, that our world, instead of paying attention to God's word, we have began to ignore God's word. Careless Christianity drifts from the truth of God's word. It goes on to say in the verse, it says, Give in earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. This word slip, it literally means to flow by, to carelessly pass over or to carelessly miss. If there's one thing that we should not carelessly walk by or carelessly look over or care, carelessly miss, it is the very words of Scripture. I want you to know that 
that sometime back during, I guess, the age of reasoning, during the Renaissance period, we began to, cultures, now there's always been people who have de- denied God's word and, and have, have, have been persistent and hostile towards it, but, but there has risen up within the last few hundred years a, a really huge age of skepticism towards the word of God. And so what has happened through that time period till what we have today is that people are super, extremely skeptic towards the word of God. And, and listen, I am a skeptic myself, but after you, if you were just sincerely just take God's word and read it for yourself and, and study everything about it, you'll come to the conclusion that it's exactly what it says it is, God's word. But there's this huge idea that, that the book that you're holding in your hand is not really the truth from God. Some people say it contains portions of truth. Some people can say that, that it contains, you know, great stories filled with great principles that we can use to teach young people. Well, I want you to know this, that I know that we live in an age where people do not believe in the inerrancy of Scripture. Simply put, people do not believe today that the Bible is without error. But I want you to know this, that I believe every word from Genesis all the way to Revelation is the very words of God. That it is complete, it's entirely true without error. You see, if, if one portion of God's word is without error, then the whole thing, we can throw it all out. If, if, if just one section of Scripture is, is not inerrant in completion, then we can really throw it all over. See, either God's Word is entirely true or entirely not true. I was in a pastor's fellowship, and, and sometimes you can have some unique, unique conversations with just different pastors. And, and I want you to know that, that I'm not on a... On a, on a, on a, on a on a mission to, to rip and rail against other denominations and other pastors. That's, that's not my, my job. But I want you to know this, that there are churches out there. There are, there are pastors out there. There are groups that call themselves Christians who do not believe the Bible is the inerrant word of God. And then... If we do not believe in the inerrancy of Scripture, that is, that God's Word is without error, then how can we believe what Paul said, that all Scripture is given by inspiration? So, not only do I believe that the Bible is inerrant, but I believe that the Bible is the inspired Word of God. That the book that you're holding in your hand, it was not just a product of these individuals who who wrote down these letters and sent to these different churches. Or, or these prophets who wrote down these things. It is, it is the word of God that was spoken by the Spirit of God to these individuals in the Old and New Testament. And that it is literally God-breathed. That just as God breathed life into Adam and Eve in the garden, God has breathed His, His life into this book right here. So that's why this book sep- is separated from every other book that's ever been written in the world. But I want you to know this. That careless Christianity has drifted from the truth of the inerrancy of Scripture and that the Bible being inspired by God. So if, if, if we're part of a church who, who says that the Bible is not inspired and the Bible is not inerrant, then that would mean to me, well, then that means that everything in the Bible I do not have to fully trust and take to the bank that it is God's Word. Perhaps that's why we have individuals out there, or groups of, of people out there who, who, who seem to not understand everything in the Bible. The Bible is very clear about certain issues. And time's not going to dive into that today, but I want you to know this, that we can clearly see just as a survey throughout the world and especially our country, 
that people have drifted away from God's word. And because I believe that people do not believe this is the word of God, as a result, people are living as if there is no God. Careless Christianity has been informed about God's word, but has not been transformed by God's word. I wonder today, maybe you're here. And maybe you're on the edge of your seat about believing the word of God is the word of God. I submit to you today, do not wait any longer. Today is the day of reckoning with Almighty God. May I draw your attention now to verse number two? Remember, this is a warning, a section of warning to these believers that the writer of Hebrews is writing to. And he says, do not slip away from what you've heard. That is God's word. And then verse two, it says, for if the word spoken by angels was steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. And now let's pause. I wrote down secondly today from this verse. Careless Christianity not only drifts from the truth of God's word, but, but secondly, care, careless Christianity has no concern for the day of judgment. Careless Christianity has no concern for the day of judgment. Of course, chapter 2, in the midst with the last part of chapter 1, is a whole discussion about angelic beings. And throughout history, God has chosen to use these angels as agents to do His bidding, to, to accomplish His sovereign will and plan. And sometimes, such as in Genesis chapter 19, God sends angels down to a city such as Sodom and Gomorrah and says that what's going on is so wicked and you are going to be destroyed, and then God destroyed the city. Judgment came. But then there's times that in Daniel's case and the lion's den, when, when he was thrown into the den of lions, that God sent these angelic beings to, to be protectors over this man named Daniel. God has used angels throughout history to accomplish his plan and his will. And the Bible says here that, that the word spoken by angels, if it was steadfast, the word steadfast literally means sure. It means firmly anchored in the ground of truth. And just as the angels came to Mary and to Joseph, and that word was, was the word of God, the Bible says here that, that if we have heard throughout history that the angels came and spoke a certain word and it came to pass, we have to believe that if we slip away from the truth of the word of God, judgment day is coming. The writer of Hebrews says later on in the book that it's appointed unto man once to die and after this the judgment. We all will give an account for everything we've said, everything we've thought, everything we've done. There's two types of judgment days. Judgment day number one is the judgment seat of Christ. That is, if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, if you've been born again and the Spirit of God has indwelt you to live with you, then you're going to stand before Jesus Christ at the judgment seat and there give an account of how you conducted your life as a Christian. And there you'll be rewarded or not rewarded accordingly to how you've lived your Christian life. But then a second judgment day is, is what we call the, the great white judgment where the, the, Revel, the book of Revelation talks about how all these books will be open, and if your name is not found in the Lamb's book of life, and, then you'll stand at this judgment, and God will say, Depart from me, I never knew you, into everlasting fire. My question for us all today, 
is which judgment day are you ready for? If you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, if you died this moment right now, if you just dropped dead, if you're not saved, your judgment day is the one in Revelation where you will not give, be given another chance to receive Christ. And that's why it's imper, imp, imperative and urgent to bow your knee today and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Don't be like that lady from the pastor's office who walked away. Submit to God's will. Bow your knee to His authority and accept Jesus as Savior. Our world cares more about the judgment from the Supreme Court than it does the judgment of the heavenly Supreme Court and judge. Our world cares more about what's going on in the court systems of, 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 of this age than the heavenly court systems of the age to come. I submit to you today that if you want careless Christianity, then don't prepare for Judgment Day. But if you want biblical Christianity, then don't drift from God's Word and be concerned about the Day of Judgment. May I draw your attention now to verse number 3? In verse number 1, we've discovered about drifting from the truth of God's Word. Verse number 2, about having no concern of the day of judgment. But now in verse number 3, the, just the, the first part, it says, How shall we neglect if we, ne excuse me, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? I wrote down this third thought. Careless Christianity neglects God's great news of salvation. Careless Christianity neglects God's great news of salvation. So remember, in verse number 2, it talks about these angels who have spoken a word from God. And you can take that word to the bank because it's God's word. And then he transitions and says, hey, hey, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? So great a message has never been proclaimed in the world, such as the good news of Jesus Christ. In fact, what I like about this passage, it doesn't just say how we neglect salvation. It says, so great. It reminds me of that verse in John's gospel, how God so loved the world. And here it says, so great. That is, there's not a greater message that you could ever talk about. There's not a, a greater message you could ever hear than the good news of Jesus Christ. The angel Gabriel, the angel Michael, the other angels throughout history cannot speak a greater message than the death, burial, and resurrection and return of Jesus Christ. In fact, in Luke's Gospel, chapter 12, we read about when Jesus said, To whom much is given, much will be required. You know, it's interesting. We have what the early apostles did not have. We have the full canon of Scripture. Old and New Testaments. God has given us so much. In fact, I understand there's over 150 translations of the Bible just in the English language alone. There's more commentaries about the Bible than there ever has been. There's more pastors and churches all over the world than really there's ever been before. But then why is there such a decline in membership of churches? Why is there such a decline in interest into the very words of God? Well, may I share this with you? It's perhaps because careless Christianity 
neglects God's great news of salvation. Instead of focusing on the pure gospel of Jesus Christ, we get sidetracked sometimes. And we want to see good morals being promoted in our nation and culture. And so maybe instead of, and maybe instead of just proclaiming Jesus with the good morals, we'll remove Jesus' name and say, hey, just have some good morals. And as a result throughout time, I believe that, that, that maybe, maybe we did not mean to do such a thing. But as a result, we've seen such neglect of this great message. Salvation, the Bible says, is only found in one name. Acts chapter 4 verse 12 says that name is Jesus. This word neglect, it gives a similar idea as this word slip. And not just to be careless of, but it also means to make light of. It means to have no regard for. How many times have we noticed in our culture that there's no regard for the Word of God. May I share with you a fourth thought? As the verse number three moves forward, it says, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord. I wrote down this fourth thought. Careless Christianity ignores the words of Jesus Christ. Careless Christianity ignores the words of Jesus Christ. How do you slip away from biblical Christianity? Well, first of all, you drift from God's word. Then you have no concern about the day of judgment. Then you begin to neglect or make no regard for salvation. And then you begin to ignore. You ignore. We all have cell phones, right? You know when somebody calls you? For those of you who don't know, you can press this side button right here, and it will ignore the phone call. <laughs> So the next time you call me, I'm, I'm going to ignore that phone call <laughs> and show you how, how, it, how it's applied to your life. Just kidding. But seriously, if, if, if somebody calls you, you can press the button over here, the volume button, and silence the call. It'll still ring. But if you go over here, you can tap it once and then tap it again, and then it will send that person straight to voicemail. And I'm afraid. <laughs> I'm afraid what people are doing today is we're doing the same thing to Jesus Christ. God has spoken His Word, and now we have it in, in a written format, and he, he is being completely ignored by people who call themselves Christians, but perhaps they never are, were Christians to begin with. You know, in, in John's Gospel, it talks about the truth and how, how Jesus, when He comes, he'll, He is the truth, and, and He will make us free. And then He talked about how I... And the Father are one in John chapter 10. And the Pharisees just went berserk over it and they were going to kill him. But I want you to know this, that there are some sayings from Jesus. I'm quoting the red letters today. That, that our world is ignoring. And here, here's one. Matthew chapter 6 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Our world says in order to, to provide for yourself, you need to go you know, you need to go to college so you can get more knowledge. And then after you get that knowledge, you know, you can go and you can, you can get involved in a career and have a, have a good paying job. And, and I'm not belittling that. Please don't misunderstand. But Jesus said, if you put me first, I'll provide for all your needs. 
And our world says, put me, myself, and I first, not Jesus first. The Bible goes on to say in Matthew chapter 19, the rich man, the rich young ruler comes and he, and he says, hey, hey, uh, what can I do to inherit eternal life? And you know the story. And, and Jesus said, hey, go and sell everything that you have and give it to the poor and come follow me. And he didn't do it. And then in verse 24 of Matthew 19, it says, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man entering the kingdom of heaven. America is consumed with wealth. In fact, so much so that we're neglecting salvation. We're ignoring Jesus. We have absolutely no concern of the day of judgment, and we have drifted from the truth of God's word. In Luke's gospel, chapter 5 and verse, 33, verse 32, here's what Jesus says here. He said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. This word repentance, it gives the idea of, of changing your whole mentality about sin and about God's word and about Jesus Christ. And, and it does in such a way, we, we begin to say that, hey, my mind has been changed and, and now I know I've sinned against the holy, righteous God and now I need your forgiveness, Jesus, and please forgive me. That's repentance. In John chapter 5, verse 39, it says, Jesus said, search the scriptures for in them you'll find out that they speak of me. In John chapter 8, verse 12, it says that Jesus says, I am the light of the world. In John's gospel, in the 13th chapter, in verse number 34, Jesus said these words. He said, love one another. Love one another. Very simple. Really, I guess if we could, we could, if we could summarize the whole content of the New Testament into one word, it's love. And that is if, 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 if God is love, then, then all of the people who claim to know that God should also demonstrate love. Even right here in our midst. Wouldn't that be great if, if our world would just l learn to listen to Jesus' words, love one another. They may not have to listen to anything else, but if they listen to that one word or that one phrase, that one sentence, our world would be changed. John's Gospel, chapter 14. Jesus said this. He said, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. He said, you believe in God, believe also in me. And then he said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. In John's Gospel, the 15th chapter, in verse number 9, Jesus said to continue in his love. And then in chapter 18 and verse 36. He said, my kingdom is not of this world. We could go on and on all day about all the different sayings that Jesus has said. But what kind of Christianity do you want? Do you want a reckless or careless religion? Or do you want a personal, passionate relationship with Jesus Christ? It begins by not ignoring the words of God. By accepting God's great news. By having a concern for standing before Jesus Christ and not drifting from the truth. But I want to share with you lastly, 
from the rest of our verse 3 down to verse 4. I wrote down this. Careless Christianity ignores the testimony of the apostles. Careless Christianity ignores the testimony of the apostles. How do I know the apostles believe that Jesus was the only way to heaven? Because the way they preached. Many of them were Jewish. They were under this whole law system of the Old Testament. And they came and they said, hey, um, Jesus came to fulfill that law and he died on the cross. And now we no longer have to go through those sacrifices. In fact, Jesus began to talk about how there would be false Christs who would rise up and say that they are the Christ. The twelve disciples received power. In fact, really, in these verses, it kind of goes back to the, to the, the Gospels and, and the whole book of Acts. And look, look, at, look at the verse. It says, it says, How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? And it says this, Which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord. So about Jesus. Jesus began to speak these words. And then check it out now. It says, And was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. So who's that speaking of? That's speaking of the apostles. So like James, John, um, all those people. And then maybe even some of the ones that are after them. But then verse number four, check it out now. It says, God also bearing them witness. That is, God gave them this testimony. He gave them this capability. Now, I know where I am today. I know where I'm preaching. And I know the context of, of this whole denomination. But I want you to know this, that this is the word of God, not my opinion. It says that he gave both all of these people both signs and wonders that... In fact, in Matthew chapter number 10, when it lists out the 12 disciples, that the Bible says that Jesus gave them power over diseases, over death, over demons, and to do signs and wonders. And so there they went and healed like Jesus healed, and raised those who were dead like Jesus raised those who were dead. He gave them that capability and power. And then the Bible says that these signs and wonders, and then diverse miracles, and then check it out now, gifts of the Holy Ghost. There are certain specific gifts that the Holy Spirit of God gives to you and to me, and we are called to use those gifts. Can God still use signs and wonders today? Yes, He can. Can God still use diverse miracles today? Yes, He can. Can God still use the gifts of the Holy Spirit today? Yes, He can. But now, does He use them the exact way that He used them then with the apostles? Perhaps, perhaps not. I guess when we get to heaven, we'll find out together. But I want you to know this, that God is still a miracle-working God, and He moves by His agent called the Spirit of God in our lives to this very day. Stephen, the apostle, this deacon, if, we, if, we, if you will, he, he began to preach to these, in other words, his sermon in Acts chapter 7 summarized the entire content of the Old Testament. And he said, you were the ones who took Jesus, the Messiah, and hung Him on the cross. And the Bible says that they killed Him. They stoned Him. But in the midst, it mentions this passage right here. Or in fact, the writer of Hebrews alludes back to Stephen in this passage. Ignoring the testimony of the apostles, they affirmed Jesus' death and resurrection. They, they were given special, unique gifts that they were given then. Time does not allow us today to unpack. Does God use us like he used them? But I, let me summarize it like this. God's primary way of working today is through the agent of his spirit and his word. Because he has given us his word, we are called to go and advance that word. And if God 
sees fit to do some type of miracle in the process that if we went to the hospital and shared God's word with somebody and prayed that God would heal that person and God healed that person, then God did that. Does that mean that I can go around and, and uh, pick up snakes and say that I have so much faith that this snake is not going to bite me? I'm not going to be that guy, okay? Maybe you, you are, but I'm not going to be that dude. I'm not going to be that guy who's going to walk down the hospitals and say, hey, I've got the gift of healing. You're healed. I'm not going to be that guy. Because I know that the only one who has power to heal is Jesus. And we are called to pray for people to be healed. As the writer of James, James the Apostle said, pray for the sick. Anoint them with oil. And then the prayer of faith, the Bible says, will save the sick. But time doesn't allow us to dive into deep here. But I want you to know this. God's primary purpose of working today is through his word called the Bible. And that's why it's important that we dive in and allow it to change us. But careless Christianity ignores the te this testimony right here. It ignores the fact that these disciples were, man, they, they were doing mighty things. Listen, when Peter was alive, when they were on the boat, all the, the others stayed in the boat, but Peter stepped out on water and walked on the water. And then he sank, and Jesus brought him back up. Now, I'm not saying that you can go out into the ocean and go walking on water. I'm not saying that. But uh, it's, like, it's like one of my friends, we were playing softball or baseball back in the day and it was raining down and he, he walked up to the puddle and he stepped in the puddle and he said hey guys look I'm walking on water it's not really what it means um, but careless Christianity ignores the testimony of the apostles it ignores the words of Jesus Christ neglects God's great news of salvation has no concern for the day of judgment and drifts from the truth of God's word you see, careless Christianity has been informed about God's word, but has not been transformed by God's word. How do we overcome this? Well, let me share this with you. Have you ever been driving down the road and there's a sign that says, in the next few miles, there's going to be a lot of road work. All you got to do is just drive somewhere around Roanoke and at some point you're going to encounter those road signs. And the closer you get to the place where they're doing construction, the more signs you see. Let's take Virginia Western, for example. Yeah. Yeah, all those roundabouts um, that nobody in Virginia knows how to drive in, by the way. <laughs> I was driving in one of them the other day, and somebody was stopped in the middle of it. I'm like, man, these people are crazy. Roundabouts are great as long as people know how to drive them. But imagine Virginia Western there, and, and there that, that community college is consumed with construction. And the closer you get to it, the more you know about the construction. I say that to say this. That I believe the writer of Hebrews is giving us warning signs here about that, that when people have slipped away and drifted and, and have given no concern about God's word, this is what it will look like. And so how do we overcome it? Well, instead of having careless Christianity, I submit to you, let's have biblical Christianity. And in conclusion, biblical Christianity draws from the truth of God's word, is concerned about the day of judgment, accepts God's great news of salvation, adheres to the words of Jesus Christ, and affirms the testimony of the apostles. My question for you today is this. Are you informed about God's word? Or have you been transformed by God's Word?
Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel. As a token of my appreciation for you listening today, I would like to give you my free ebook devotional called Jumpstart Your Faith 30 Days to a Renewed Faith in Christ. Just go to www.pastorbrianratliff.com to download it. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast channel to listen to more messages like today's. And if these messages have been helpful to you, please leave a review. If I could be of any help in your spiritual walk, please let me know by emailing me at pastorbrianratliff at yahoo.com. And one last thing, if you're in Roanoke, please consider joining us for one of our worship services at Clearbrook Baptist Church. Until next time, may God's blessings be upon you and have a great week.